Ladies and gentlemen, in the red corner, hailing from the state of Nevada, representing the steam and wise guys, it's the always feared Vegas Oddsmaker! And in the blue corner, the crowd favorite from South Florida, Mark Winning Picks Lawrence! And now, let's get it on! Against the spread, Winning Picks with Mark Lawrence! Welcome back, everybody. Once again, this is Mark Lawrence along with Victor King. And we're set to go against the spread on this week's college and pro football cards. If you can believe it, week number six in the National Football League season, college football week seven, six and seven, I should say, coming up this week in college football. And we've got, as always, a big card on tap today. Victor King from King Creole Sports joins us once again, as he always does. And Victor, talking about the college and the pro football cards this week, first of all, let's check in on how your week was last week and what you're looking forward to this week, if you would. I'm kind of like you, Mark. Uh, we've been doing great in the NFL. I know you've gone, what, I believe, 5-0 and in the NFL the last two weeks. Our service has done very well with the NFL totals as well. We're still waiting for that great signature Saturday. I think that's forthcoming. But in regards to what happened last Saturday, Mark, two things that were kind of touching to me that had nothing to do with wins and losses, naturally – the tribute there in Las Vegas before the UNLV San Diego State game in which the players, the fans, uh, they joined together releasing, you know, the thousands of balloons during that moment of silence for that senseless tragedy that, of course, occurred there in Las Vegas. And uh, that was very touching to me, as was down here in the Sunshine State, Mark. You know, there was a, a beautiful pregame tribute for Florida fans prior to their game against LSU, honoring Gainesville native Tom Petty, of course, a Hall of Fame rock and roller, and a guy that uh, played in what I believe you consider to be one of the best all-star bands of all time, the Traveling Wilburys. Oh, the Traveling Wilburys, Tom Petty, you get me going here, Victor. There you go. Uh, one of my all-time favorite groups. I mean, so many great stars that were in that group. Roy Orbison, mm. George Harrison, uh, Tom Petty. Uh, just a great classic album that they put together. And in fact, yeah. going back in the day when we were doing our podcast against the spread nationally uh, mm. in cities all across the country live when we were doing it every Friday evening, that was our, one of our sign-off songs of the show, yep. End of the Line, uh, yep. with Tom Petty. And uh you know, as you mentioned, a great tribute to him in Gainesville. He's a Gainesville native, and uh, it was really, really touching to see that. And it looks like the, uh, they're all going to become petty heads, if you will, at the Florida uh, football games moving forward. Here. And that's a great thing to see. And uh, I also agree with you about the tribute to uh, the tragedy that happened in Las Vegas at UNLV. That was really, really well done as well. And, uh, you know, our hearts still go out to all those many, many victims and their families and under that senseless, senseless tragedy that happened. Uh, but, you know, it was nice to see everybody band together. It didn't work out well for UNLV, the football team, that night. They unfortunately hooked up a very good San Diego State football team that looks to be one of those teams, Victor, that this year, uh, one of those teams that plays their way into a New Year's Day bowl game, a group of five teams, San Diego State just might be one of those teams this year. Yep, definitely. They're uh, one of a handful of teams, I believe, with their only 13 undefeateds. And this is a team that has a shot of going all the way through the Mountain West Conference and taking an undefeated record into a New Year's Day or later bowl game. I agree with that, Victor. Uh, and while that home field didn't work out for UNLV in that tragedy, uh, in honoring the tragedy that particular night, uh, you and I talked about a little bit before we went on the air about uh, one of the things that's going on in college football that people maybe aren't attuned to, and there's a great point you brought up, is the diminished home fields and the values of home fields in college football aren't what they used to be, and it's uh, they aren't what they used to be for two reasons. Number one, performance on the field. It hasn't been there. And number two, it's been acknowledged by Jeff Sagarin and a lot of the, uh, the the numbers gurus, if you will, the lessening value of home fields on that, uh, what we're seeing right now. And uh, your take on that, Victor, and what we're seeing in college football today, where it used to always be an automatic three points, at least for home fields, we're not seeing that today. You know, when it comes to number crunching, uh, there are two places you got to go to 
depending on the sport. If it's going to be basketball, college basketball, it's definitely Massey Peabody. But in uh, all sports, it's got to be Sagarin and Sagarin's ratings. And there has indeed been a surprising disappearing home field advantage. According to Sagarin ratings, back in 2013, the college football home field advantage was worth three and a half points. Basically, 3.52 was the average college football home field rating. But since that year, Mark, those ratings have declined every year. In 2014, down to 2.77. In 2015, the home field advantage down to 2.68. Last year, the home field advantage was 2.13. And this year, in 2017, for the first year ever, according to Sagarin, the ratings, the home field advantage is less than two points at 1.97. And that is uh, pretty shocking. And we may have some correlating numbers in terms of uh, road favorites that echo uh, what we're seeing these days. We do, Victor. And in fact, uh, in this week's Playbook Football Newsletter, our incredible stat of the week really hits on that point uh, perfectly. And it's uh, simply put that uh, how these road favorites are dominating in college football, at least this year anyway. Our incredible stat of the week from the Playbook Football Newsletter points out the fact that college football road favorites are 42 and 4 straight up 35 9 and 2 against the spread this year against teams that are off a loss that's a staggering number and it also probably points a little bit to that diminished home field as you mentioned here that these home fields just aren't what they used to be in the world of college football these days definitely mark uh, and as a result we we're starting to see a few more unexpected losses in college football resulting in what we would call some coaching hot seats. If you had uh, Gary Anderson of Oregon State in the pool last week, you probably cashed a winning ticket. As uh, we mentioned him about three or four weeks ago as a possible candidate. And there's probably some others out there that we may want to throw in that are on the college football hot seat. And in fact, Victor, uh, good thing that you mentioned that because uh, every week on the playbook.com uh, homepage on the website. Uh, we have a poll, a weekly poll, and our weekly poll that went up on Wednesday as we're doing the podcast on Wednesday is which is the next college football coach most likely to either be fired or resign this football season here. And I'm going to run by the list of the people that are on the poll, Victor, and if you can lend your opinion, that would be great. The teams that we that we nominated for the poll happen to be Brett Bielma from Arkansas, Brian Kelly from Notre Dame, Butch Jones from Tennessee, Kevin Sumlin, Texas A&M, Mike Riley, Nebraska, Paul Graham at Arizona State, Rich Rodriguez at Arizona, and Tyson Summers at Georgia Southern. It's a big list there, but uh, it's the seats are getting very hot for a lot of these coaches, eight of them. What's your thoughts on at least those eight and victors or anybody else that we might not have put up in the poll for mentioning this week? We touched on the two guys from the state of Arizona a couple of weeks ago. What I find interesting in the current poll that we have up there at the playbook.com website is multiple hot seats in the SEC conference. Now this is a conference that usually they don't make coaching changes in season, but obviously that hottest seat has got to be uh, Butch Jones and there may not be an in season firing forthcoming, but uh, that just means that basically the toxicity is going to fester a little bit more. Uh, Brett Bielema, you mentioned him from Arkansas, and someone of A&M as well. Uh, of, of course, these are teams from the SEC Conference in the realm beneath the Alabamas, the Georgias, and the Auburns, probably the only three teams in the SEC that are having very, very good seasons. But you also may want to throw out perhaps Barry Odom of Missouri and even Jim McElwain of Florida as well. I would include those two coaches, Mark. Well, Barry Odom at Missouri is taking a lot of flack and a lot of heat. He's a former player and alma mater at Missouri and a, a really, really a great person. And I think I, I thought he was a great hire. And uh, unfortunately, his hands have been tied since he took over the program there. There's not a lot he can do with the talent that he has on hand. But he does have the respect and the command of the football team. And uh, they've showed up in a couple of times this season. Last week, their loss to Kentucky you know, they put up 568 yards and outgained the Wildcats there. I hope they stick by him because I think he's good for the program, if you will. 
And maybe out of that list that uh, I mentioned here, you know, is there a coach that has had a worse three-game homestand in college football than Butch Jones at Tennessee? I mean, they host Massachusetts, 28-point favorites, barely win the game by 17 to 13 margin. Then they get completely embarrassed, 41 to nothing at home against Georgia. A lot about where he's going will depend upon what happens this Saturday when he hosts South Carolina in this football game. If they come up flat, you can I, they, I put him right to the top of the list. And I understand that the firing of him would be very, very costly. But you know something, you go back in Tennessee history, and a lot was said about the same thing with Phil Fulmer in his days there when they finally let him go back in 2008 in favor of Lane Kiffin. I don't think money matters when it comes to a program like that. So uh, keep an eye on Butch Jones this week. Another One other coach before we shift over to the NFL side of things that I would also zero in on would be, uh, unfortunately, Mike Riley at Nebraska. Good guy, great yep. coach. Uh, National Football League coach, college football coach, really respected and a great human being. But, you know, it's all about winning at big football programs. And uh, they're not winning at Nebraska these days. And there's a lot of other people that could fill the bill there at Nebraska. And I think the name that comes first for most of the mind is Scott Frost, former quarterback with the Cornhuskers, who's doing a great job with Central Florida. So we'll keep an eye on that situation and see how it evolves. But I have this feeling between now and next week when we do the podcast, Victor, we might talk about another coach that either resigned or was pink slipped in the world of college football. You're tuned in to Mark Lawrence against the spread, the nation's most popular sports handicapping talk show. And with that, Victor, let's move it over to the national football league side of things. Before I do that real one quick note here from the midweek alert, our inside out college football teams. And the reason I'm pointing this out is starting this week, I'm reinstituting the inside the stats article that I do each and every week in college and pro football once the season reaches a midway point where we've got some meaty, meaningful stats. So look for that article on the playbook.com site, our inside the stats take in the football. I think you'll find it most meaningful. Last week in college football, there were 16 teams that won games in inside-out fashion, won the game, lost the stats, two of them by over 100 yards, and there were also 10 straight-up underdog winners in the world of college football. On the NFL side of things in the stats last week, there were five inside-out winners two of them were 100 yard margins in fact the new york jets in their football game against the cleveland browns won the game but lost the stats over 200 yards we're going to talk about the jets a little bit later on in the show and there were five straight up underdog winners in the nfl last week on the national football league side of things and what about the nfl victor what you've seen season to date thus far uh, good year for dogs good year for favorites good years for overs good years for unders what do you have as far as a tally goes a uh, right down the middle, split down the middle last week in the NFL for underdogs. They went seven and seven. Division dogs went two and zero. Non-division dogs five and seven. On the year, it's been a decent dog year thus far. Underdogs have gone 42, 34 and one against the spread. Uh, that includes 13, 10 and one in division play. The best situations to play on dogs have been naturally when they're off a loss. 22 and 12 this season for all dogs off a loss. And finally, dogs coming in off two or more losses in a row have gone 11 and 4. It kind of makes sense. You know, a lot of the squares shy away from underdogs off a loss or off of multiple losses. But sharp betters know that is actually the best time to play on an underdog in the NFL. My takeaway, Mark, is parity. Parity big time in the NFL. Out of the 32 teams in the NFL, 21 of the teams, that 65%, have records of either 3-2, and 2-2, two, two and two, or 2-3. Two and three. That 65% are all hovering around that 500 mark. Of course, there's only one undefeated team, which is still kind of rare at this stage of the season, Kansas City. But aside from that, Mark, there's only three teams that are 4-1 and one on the year. And that would be Philadelphia, Green Bay, and Carolina. So a lot of uh, interesting parity thus far in the NFL. There has been parity in the NFL thus far this year, unquestionably. And, uh, you know, uh, in a piece that I had authored for the USA Today Sports Weekly this week, I talked about uh, National Football League teams that last year made the playoffs that are uh, struggling, having losing records to begin the football season this year. None other worse than, obviously, the New York Giants at 0-5. But uh, it's also... What I mentioned in the article is the fact that these teams that uh, 
start out two and three or less that were in the playoffs last year. Quite a few handful of them rallied back to make the playoffs, and it'll be interesting to see which of those teams, perhaps other than the 0-5 New York Giants, are capable of doing just that. Before we go to break here and come back with our college football game of the week, let's touch a little bit here, Victor, on our NFL chip play this week. This is a team that has a chip on their shoulder, the most embarrassed team in the National Football League last week from our good friend, the Texas Tornado, Steve Crabb in Dallas, Texas. And uh, these plays, by the way, guys, are 12-4 and the last two-plus years, 3-1 and this year, looking for that team to play on that has that biggest chip on their shoulder this week. And uh, as we talked before the show here, Victor, it was quite obvious which team in the NFL would be the chip on their shoulder play this week. It would have to be, I would think, the Pittsburgh Steelers. Right. They should feel very fortunate to be tied for first in the AFC North Division at 3-2. and What a surprising for me, a totals guy is the fact that the Pittsburgh Steelers and what is supposed to be a fantastic offense has yet to go over a total in a game this season. They've had zero overs. All five of their games have gone under the total. We've cashed numerous times with them in regards to under. Improvement on defense for the Steelers, yes. But they have some question marks right now. And in fact, Ben Roethlisberger is questioning his own abilities right now. Yeah, we'll see exactly whether those abilities come forth in this big game against Kansas City on Sunday. The Pittsburgh Steelers, as you mentioned, the big chip play this week in the National Football League off that red-faced embarrassing loss at home last week against Jacksonville. Don't go away, guys. When we come back, Victor and I, we're going to tear down our college football game of the week. It's the Red River rivalry between Oklahoma and Texas. We've got that game and a whole lot more to come here when we're back after this brief break here on Mark Lawrence Against the Spread. Hey, sports fans, football season is here, and it's time to get in on the action. MyBookie.ag is an industry-leading website that offers odds and action on your favorite games. Take advantage of the MyBookie specials before they're gone. Call toll-free at 1-844-900-2387 or visit us online at mybookie.ag to open an account. Pull out your smartphone to sign up with our user-friendly mobile site for on-the-go action. What are you waiting for? Come join mybookie.ag today. Call toll-free at 844-900-2387 or go online to mybookie.ag to open an account and start winning today. Only the biggest, only the best, only at mybookie.ag. Sign up today. Have your morning coffee with Mark Lawrence each day when you join his all-new coffee club. Delivered in your email box the very first thing every morning, Mark shares with you his first take on the daily sports scene, ranging from top situational plays to handicapping tips and commentary from fellow coffee club members. It's a quick must-read for the serious sports fan. Join the coffee club today at playbook.com and have your morning coffee with Mark each and every day. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back once again, everybody. Mark Lawrence along with Victor King as we go against the spread in this week's college and pro football cards. It's time for our college football game of the week, a rivalry matchup, if you will, a Red River rivalry matchup between Oklahoma and Texas, which kicks off in Dallas, Texas this year at 3.30 Eastern on ESPN. The reason I'm mentioning that is this series, this rivalry, is almost always played every year at 12 noon Eastern, but they pushed it back this year. To 3.30 Eastern. Victor, I guess that gives times a little bit more time for a little tailgating to go on in this football game, <laughs> if you will. I think the, the Schlitz malt liquor, the Colt 45 malt liquor, will be flowing in Dallas, Texas before this football game. But nonetheless, I think this is one of the better Oklahoma-Texas rivalry matchups we've seen in a long, long time. Your take, Victor, between the Sooners and the Longhorns this Saturday. Agreed. And uh, when, when I lived in Dallas in the decade of the 80s, I did go to this game a couple of times. And you basically start uh, cracking the Lone Star beer fairly early in the morning. <laughs> and who knows where those folks will be once they kick it off at 3.30 Eastern time. Right off the, the couple of notes off my cuff in regards to this game. This is something you cannot say fast. That's Red River Rivalry. You can't say those Phew. three words fast, even if you try. And second of all, 
Red River is one of my favorite top five John Wayne movies of all time, back from 1948, I believe, co-starring Montgomery Clift, a classic, classic John Wayne Western. But we're here to talk about the game, Mark, and the line is going down. As I noticed, the Sooners opened up a double-digit favorite. It's down to about seven and a half as we record the podcast here on Wednesday morning. What hasn't moved, however is the over-under line. It opened at 64-and-a-half, and that's where it remains. Again, as we talk about the show, it's the second-highest over-under line of the last 10 years. Last year's meeting was actually the highest between these two teams. The over-under line was 72-and-a-half. Most folks remember a high-scoring Oklahoma win, 45-40. to 40. The game still went over by almost two full touchdowns. And in regards to the series, five out of the last seven meetings have indeed gone over the total average line, 55.9, average score, 63.3. And the average Texas-Oklahoma game going over by just over a touchdown at plus 7.4 points per game. Again, in last year's meeting, it certainly was a shootout. Oklahoma had 672 yards on offense. Texas 425. On the season, Oklahoma comes in 4-1 and one over under. Their only under on the season was against uh, Ohio State. They've gone over in every other game. Of course, last week's shocking loss to Iowa State. The game before that against Baylor, in which there were 90 points scored. The non-conference game, uh, who was that against? Uh, Tulane, was it, or... Yes, against Tulane, which went over the total. And, of course, their very first game of the season as well against uh, UTEP. Uh, Number one offense, that's Oklahoma Sooners. They still have a Heisman hopeful quarterback, Baker Mayfield. Number six scoring offense, averaging 44.6 points per game. On the flip side, the Longhorns come in as a two and three over under team. That's two overs. Three unders, they went over the total in their very first game of the season. What was a shocking home loss for them as well when they lost to Maryland, 51-41. Uh, to 41. After that game one, they went under for three games in a row. The shutout win against San Jose State. The thrilling road overtime loss to USC. And then, of course, they beat this Iowa State team that upset Oklahoma last week, 17-7. to And then in last week's game, another overtime game for Texas, it turned out to be an unexpected offensive game against Kansas State in which the over-under line was a fairly low 47. And uh, the Texas team outlasting Kansas State 40-34, to the over-under line in that game was so low given the fact that Kansas State had one of the better defenses in the Big 12 Conference. And that game, of course, went surprisingly over by about 30 points. So Texas... Two and three over under on the season. They come in number 33 on offense at 464 per game. Number 35 scoring offense, 35.6. And I am taking a look at what should be another shootout, another offensive shootout. We know all about Oklahoma and the fact that they can score points. The thing that I like is the fact that they're coming in this game off a loss. And they have gone 10 and one in the last five years to the over in regular season games when playing off a loss, averaging 45.6 in those games. So you know Oklahoma's going to be putting up their points. They are a angry Sooners team, and that is for sure. But another reason I like the overmark is not necessarily the fact that Oklahoma's going to get their points, but the defense is showing some kinks, some holes in the last two weeks. A banged-up defense. There are some danger signs for Oklahoma. They allowed 523 yards against Baylor two weeks ago and 41 points. And then last week, 449 yards to Iowa State and basically a number three quarterback for Iowa State and 38 points as well. Two of the uh, worst offensive teams in the Big 12 Conference. So for me, there are some danger signs and I'm liking me a little bit of overaction. According to the point spread and the over-under line, the the predicted score in this game is Oklahoma 36.5, Texas 28.5. My numbers have this slightly higher, a game somewhere in the area of 40 to 35, 
But either way, we think there's going to be some points there, and we're going to uh, put a little over action as Oklahoma takes on Texas in the Red River rivalry. Good call on the Red River rivalry, Victor. We probably have to go as slow as any word phrase we can when we say that. Uh, but uh, Victor says get ready for this football game as he goes over the total in the Sooners-Texas football Red River rivalry matchup on Saturday. This is a matchup of two teams. I think, Victor, as I mentioned earlier when we preface this game, I think this is one of the better matchups we've seen in this series coming in here. A lot of intrigue. Uh, both teams come in here with one loss on the season here, so the loser will probably play themselves out of the Big 12 title matchup game, if you will, the championship game, the first ever in the Big 12 championship this year. So it's a huge game, obviously, for both football teams. Oklahoma comes in with the number one team in pass efficiency offense here, led by Baker Mayfield, a Heisman Trophy candidate this year, but he's going to need a win here to keep himself in the race there that way. Good news for the Sooners. The last nine times they've been favored in conference games by 15 or fewer points. They've gone eight and one against the spread. And that number that sticks out the most in this matchup here is the fact that Oklahoma rebounds like no other team in the world of college football off a loss. You go back, <clears throat> excuse me, to 1999, 28-0 straight up. 21-7 and seven to the spread in conference games off a loss. But I will say this, that was under Bob Stoops, not Lincoln Riley. Lincoln Riley's got to prove his medal in this football game to see if he can, in fact, fill those shoes in this football game this week. Texas Longhorns have won the money each of the last four years in a row in this series. They come in here as the number one ranked team in college football in defensive touchdowns. Uh, allowed this football season here. I should say defensive touchdowns that they've scored this football season here. So their offense gets a benefit from the defense in finding ways to pick up touchdowns from the defensive side of the football. Head coach Tom Herman, one of the best in college football in games against fellow FBS teams here. Remember, when he was a head coach at Houston, they were, in, uh, uh, they were a non-Power 5 conference team. And we're talking about in Power 5 conference football games against FBS teams here. Tom Herman, 7-2 and two straight up, 8-1 and one against the spread. In fact, he's been a dog five times against Power 5 other conferences. He's gone 4-1 straight up and won five of those games all to the money in the football game. Oklahoma Sooners come in here. Take a look at them. They're 3-0 and straight up in ATS in non-conference games this year, but they've lost the money in both of their Big 12 conference games. Texas, Five and one to the spread this year, straight up in ATS, but a perfect two and zero oh, both ways, straight up in ATS in Big Twelve football games, with a hint of a bubble burst looming overhead for Oklahoma here in their perfect season, having just been ruined, along with that banged up defense as Victor mentioned here. I'm going to play Texas plus the points for my side in the Red River rivalry game this Saturday. Don't go away when Victor and I come back. We're going to tear down our NFL game of the week, a matchup of two. Division leaders, surprising division leaders for our NFL game of the week. We've got that. We'll also hop out to Las Vegas and join with our good friend Andy Isco to get the Vegas vibe and a whole lot more to come here on Mark Lawrence against the spread. Attention sports fans, it's time to get in on all the football action at mybookie.ag. This industry-leading website is renowned for having the best odds and more betting options than any other sports book online. This is why Mark Lawrence only endorses mybookie.ag. Call toll-free at 1-844-900-2387 or go online to mybookie.ag to open an account and start winning today. Get the odds you want and the fast payouts you need guaranteed. That's mybookie.a as an Apple and G as in games. Tell them Mark Lawrence sent you. Only the biggest. Only the best. Only at mybookie.ag. Sign up today. The only football newsletter in America devoted exclusively to NFL over-under totals. The Totals Tip Sheet is a must-read if you're serious about adding extra income to your bankroll this football season. Get exclusive insight on the overs and unders from Victor King, the NFL Totals Guru, at Playbook.com. The Totals Tip Sheet has got you totally covered this football season. It's the best reference source of its kind in the nation. Get your Totals Tip Sheet today at Playbook.com and enjoy the winners. Welcome back, everybody. This is Mark Lawrence along with Victor King as we're going against the spread 
Once again on this week's College and Pro Football Cards, it's time for our NFL Game of the Week. And how about a division rivalry matchup between two teams tied atop their division? None other than the New England Patriots and the New York Jets. And who would have believed that? The New York Jets tied atop the AFC East division as they are with three wins this football season here. Victor, your take on the surprising Jets and the Patriots this Sunday. Hey, leave it to the Jets. This was supposed to be a tanked season, wasn't it? But uh, yes. they've beaten the Dolphins. They've beaten the Jacksonville Jaguars. They've beaten the Cleveland Browns. Hey, that's three wins in a row for the New York Jets. And as you mentioned, uh, all four teams in this division are two and two or better, including a three-way tie for first. And all of a sudden, we've got a first-place battle. Surprising, of course, on the Jets' side, but definitely not on the New England side. And, Mark, I'm liking me a little bit of under-action in this particular game between the Jets and the Patriots. The over-under line was somewhere around 46.5 to 47 points. And I certainly understand that we're talking about a pretty bad New England defense here. Yes, they are ranked last in defense, allowing 447 yards per game. In fact, they're the only NFL team that is allowing more than 400 the next worst team is the Colts at 397.4. So I certainly understand that their Achilles seal has been actually their passing defense. I don't think the Jets have that uh, chops on offense in terms of their passing game to exploit that New England uh, defense and the defense deficiency. There was a time here in the 2014 and 2015 and even going back to 2013 in which this was indeed a pretty high-scoring series between these two teams. But let's not forget, each of last season's two meetings, in fact, went under the total. Uh, New England winning 22-17 to on the road and then hammering the Jets 41-3 to at home. Both of those games went under the total in last season's matchups. The reason I like the under so much in this game is the fact that New England is laying a ton of points in this game. Uh, we're somewhere in the area of nine. There's even some tens out there right now, and that's a lot of points. And whenever I see an NFL team favored by that many points on the road, I go running up to the window as fast as I can and get some under action in. And it kind of makes sense from a game script or a game flow perspective. You got a double-digit favorite playing on the road. They get out to that early lead. Perhaps they're winning by 10 to 14 points at halftime, and they do whatever they can in the second half to speed the game up with a lot of running plays and get out of there with a win. That's the way the game scripts or flows when you see a team favored by so many points on the road. And we've got the ammunition from the database to back us up. NFL road favorites of eight or more points, like the Patriots, have gone 6-27, and 27, that's six overs, 27 unders in the last six seasons. That includes 4-26 and 26 when the over-under line in these games falls in the range of greater than 37 and less than 54 points, including an amazing 1-17 and 17 over-under in oh. the last four years. So, hey, whenever you see a team laying more than a touchdown on a road, we automatically play that game under the total. It even has more strength in division games as well because you know that New England on the road, they're not going to run up the score against the Jets. We, we don't do that, particularly in the first meeting of the season when these two teams will be seeing each other later in the season as well. From an individual team standpoint, Mark, we know that New England – Again, whenever they're on the road, laying more than seven points, they've gone one and nine over under since 2012 when the over under line is less than 54 points. We plug in New York in our database, and when the Jets are division home dogs of a field goal or more, a perfect 0 and 5 over under in the last four years. This is Speedy's under of the week from the Totals Tip Sheet newsletter. I'm with them on it. We're going under the total with the Patriots-Jets game. And you also may want to consider some type of a combination of a underdog and under-teaser as well. Some powerful over-under numbers supporting the under in this football game. I love that 1-17 stat. 
by Victor as he goes under the total in the Patriots-Jets game for his take on our NFL Game of the Week on Sunday. The Patriots come in here, as Victor mentioned here, with the worst defense in the National Football League, largely because they've been outstanding in four of their five football games they played this year. Unbelievable that the Patriots have lost the yards in four of their five football games this season here. And, in fact, they've allowed season-high yards three times this year. Kansas City, Carolina, and Tampa Bay all put up season-high yards on this New England defense thus far this football season here. Taking a look inside the history book here, we find the Patriots as favorites of eight or more points, 0-3 to the spread this year, carrying a lot of weight as defending Super Bowl champions with only one win straight up in those three tries as favorites of eight or more points. That was a three-point squeaker against Houston earlier this football season here. For the New York Jets, they come in here with the defense that's almost 100 yards better than New England's, allowing 355 yards a game in the season. That 355 mark is not a good record. It's mediocre at best, but it's almost 100 yards better, as I say, than the New England defense coming in this contest here. Head coach Todd Bowles has really fared well in division games as a head coach in the NFL. He's gone 11-5-1 to the spread in games that count division games, including 4-1 as a home dog. The Jets are a 4-0 to the spread the last four games in the series and also 4-0 last four games as a host in the series here. And from the Playbook Football Newsletter this week, we also called out the fact that NFL home dogs of eight or more points have been moneymakers. Go back to 2009, they're 40 and 20 against the spread, NFL home dogs of eight or more, including 21 and 8 to the spread in division games. I'll grab the points with the Jets until New England proves to me and shows to me that they can bring a little defense to a football game one time this year. I'll play the New York Jets plus the points in this showdown game Sunday for our NFL game of the week. You're tuned in to Mark Lawrence against the spread, the nation's most popular sports handicapping talk show and it's time for our favorite segment on the show once again this week as we hop out to Las Vegas and join with our good friend Andy Isco from TheLogicalApproach.com in Las Vegas. Andy, how's everything going for you in Las Vegas the week after that terrible tragedy last week? Have things settled down in Vegas any at all this week? Well, yes, Mark, they have. There's still, of course, a bit of an aftermath that will take some time for the wounds to heal uh, and for things to get back to normal. But things have started to get somewhat back to normal, and I think it was evidenced last night by the tremendous ovation, the tremendous uh, ceremonies that they had with the Vegas Golden Knights, the uh, Las Vegas' first professional sports team in a major sports open the season. They got their third straight win, their first win at home. There was a tremendous ceremony prior to the game honoring the uh, memory of those who lost their lives, the other victims, and paying tribute to the first responders. It was a tremendous ceremony. Don't know if you got to see it. I know it was a late start for the East Coast, uh, but it was carried on the NBC Sports Channel, and uh, uh, the fans went away feeling a lot better about things, but still uh, not forgetting uh, what uh, uh, what's transpired over the uh, past 10 days. Heavy hearts in Las Vegas these days after that talk, we're talking about that tragedy, but uh, smiles on a lot of people's faces Great to see, Andy, that the Vegas expansion team opens up 3-0 and to begin the season. I don't know if there's been an expansion team that's ever opened up with three straight wins in a row. Tip of the hat to them and a great job that they've done getting this hockey franchise off on a terrific winning run here. Great start to start the NHL Vegas Knights Golden Knights uh, hockey season this year and a job well done by that hockey franchise here. And i got to say this here, Andy, before we get into the Superbook contest here, i got to say job well done. With your football newsletter once again this week, I received a copy of it, and I was really, really, really pleased with what I read in there, uh, this take that you did on these NFL close call game reversals. If you'd have looked at teams in the National Football League that were involved in close call games last year, decided by three or less points or overtime, and reversed those decisions, it's eye-opening what the records would have been for these football teams. And I, once again, you want to hit on that a little bit here because I think it's a great feature that you did in your newsletter this week. Well, thank you, Mark. It is something that I do every year, and it basically shows just how important every game is in an NFL season that consists of just a 16-game schedule. And you take a look at uh, the difference between a team that is 10-6, and 6, makes the playoffs as a wild card, has a chance to make a nice run, 
and a team that ends up 6-10, and 10, it's a very, very thin line that separates those teams. And I think the best example, uh, the Oakland Raiders last year, if you looked at their statistics, you wonder how that team went 12-4 and four, because even if you just looked at the raw numbers, the passing numbers, the yardage numbers, uh, the other indicators that are key uh, measures of a team's success as far as the flow of a game goes, they had not just the record of an 8-8 eight and eight team, they had the record of a team well below 500. And indeed, had you reversed those games that were decided by three points or less or overtime games that were decided by a touchdown, the Oakland Raiders, instead of being 12-4, and four, would have been, I believe it was 6-10 uh, and 10 last year. And that just shows uh, how fine a line it is. And it also gives an indication uh, after the year that maybe there are some teams that did indeed outperform uh, their statistics and are due for a reversal. Or on the other hand, uh, there were teams that may have had losing records that uh, just were on the on the wrong side of, let's call the random flips, the unfortunate breaks at the end of a game. Yeah, great, great study by Andy Isco. You want to get your hands on a copy of this week's newsletter to find out exactly who those teams are. Some startling reversals at Carolina, San Diego. Losers last year would have winning records, possibly playoff-type teams this year. You know, do the flip for Detroit, Miami, uh, Houston, Tennessee last year. Great stuff from Andy Isco. It's all inside his newsletter, thelogicalapproach.com. You can pick up a copy at Andy's website at thelogicalapproach.com or in the playbooksuperstore.com website where you can download his newsletter as well. Andy, speaking about Las Vegas and the Superbook contest here, I know uh, last week it seemed to be a good week for the Superbook contestants overall. It seemed like a lot of the consensus plays hit a week ago. How did they fare last week? The uh, old biblical saying is the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh. <laughs> last week the consensus was 4-1, and one, which improved their record. Remember, they started 0-5 in the Super Contest. It improved their record. Uh, for, uh, to uh, nine and eleven with that four and one last week it was one and four so the record stands at ten and fifteen. Interesting last week we had our first situation of the season where two of the top five plays were in the same game. The Cincinnati Bengals were the second most popular choice. They faced the Buffalo Bills, the fifth most popular choice, and the Bengals came out on top on that one. Uh, so the Bengals were the only winner amongst the top five plays. The losers, the Detroit Lions against the Carolina Panthers. That one surprised me. Uh, not the fact that I liked the Panthers in the game, but the fact that the Lions were the number one consensus choice, 1,053 of the the contestants of the 2,748 contestants were on the Lions. And just to put that in perspective, the Bengals were the second choice, a little bit more than 200 choices below, 847. So it wasn't the fact that the Lions were number one, but the margin by which they were the top consensus play. The Rams also were a popular play, the fourth uh, consensus choice against the uh, Seattle Seahawks. And of course, Seattle pulled uh, the minor upset in that game. And the, the uh, Houston Texans, in what was a pick'em game in the contest last week, the Texans were the third most popular choice, and they ended up losing. So the uh, consensus, uh, one and four last week, 10 and 15 for the season. And just giving a very quick breakdown when the uh, more popular play in a game is on the favorite. Those favorites are 19 and 27 this year on the underdogs. When the more popular choice in a game is on the underdog side of the equation, those underdogs are 16, 10 and one this season for the contestants, including three straight winning weeks, five and one, five and one and three, one and one this past weekend. The one push was in the uh, Monday night game, the Chicago Bears against Minnesota. Uh, this was the first week where the contest had two pick'em games and the contestants were one and one on picking the correct side of those pick'em games. So year to date, the consensus overall 36, 38, and two, a little bit low, below 500, but still considerably better than they were at this time last season. And so overall, the consensus starting to get things together. We'll see if we can have a better and more consistent result from a consensus going forward. Speaking of the consensus and the standings in the contest, this is very interesting this year. The leader is at 80%, 20 out of a possible 25 points. That's 80%. Second place is at 19 and a half. There's one contestant there. Nine contestants are at 19 points, which works out to 76% through 25 games. In fact, if you were to look at the top 50 spots that pay, you would have to be hitting right now at 17 
out of 25 points, which is 68%, there are more than 50 contestants there. And in fact, more than 10% of the field, I think it's closer to about 15% of the field, is at 60% or better, which is 15 uh, out of a possible 25 points. In the Super Contest winner-take-all gold uh, version of the contest, the leader is also at 80%. Not the same contestant, but the same record. 20 correct plays, five incorrect ones. There's a two-and-a-half-point drop-off to the two contestants tied in second for the winner-take-all contest at 17-and-a-half. Then there are two more at 17. And overall, those hitting 15 uh, points or more, which is 60%, there are a total of 20 contestants at that number. 80% for the leader in the gold contest right now. Andy, what would you guess uh, by the end of the season that gold contest winner would be uh, willing to walk away with the, the win percentage? If he could buy a win percentage and guarantee it, what, what do you think the win percentage of the gold contest might be this particular football season? I, I'm guessing that it would be lower than the percentage to win the regular contest simply because you've got 94 contestants in the Super Contest Gold over 2,700, and just the uh, the law of large numbers suggests that there will be a few outliers there. I'm going to say the winner of Super Contest Gold will be hitting right around 65% at the end of the season. I was going to be with you. I was going to say 66 or 67%, but that looks to be what might be the optimum number as far as the gold contest is concerned. We're visiting with Andy Isco from TheLogicalApproach.com in Las Vegas. And Andy, before I hand it over to Victor with his question on the show, I know there have been some contest line moves from last week that sent out by Jay Cornegay at the Westgate Superbook to this week. If you would, uh, maybe some of those games that might stand out as far as game movers are concerned from one week to this week. Yeah, at this point of the season, Mark, you would think there wouldn't be significant adjustments, yet we do have some opportunity to see the impact of some of the games, especially now that we have bye weeks, and I'll talk about a couple of those in a moment. The uh, first game on Sunday, Cleveland at Houston. Last week, Houston was an eight-and-a-half-point home favorite against the Cleveland Browns. They lost on on Sunday night to a very good Kansas City uh, Chiefs team, uh, so no, uh, no real harm there as far as downgrading their performance. The Cleveland Browns lost at home to the Jets in what was expected to be one of their few winnable games this year for Cleveland. As a result, when the line came back up on the board, Houston was a 10-point favorite, up from 8.5. The early money has come in a little bit, and Houston is now a 9.5-point favorite in that contest, but that does reflect an adjustment due to a losing team losing and not really having an opportunity really to win a game that would be one of their few winnable games. Miami at Atlanta. This one is a bit interesting because Atlanta is off of a bye. Miami got their first win of the season against Tennessee on Sunday. Last week, Atlanta was a nine and a half point favorite for this contest. Uh, Jay Cornegay and the guys at the Westgate made no adjustment as a result of Miami's win. Atlanta opened a nine and a half point home favorite. However, uh, since that line was posted Sunday evening, there's been a two point move. A lot of favoritism being shown for Atlanta. They are up to an 11 and a half point home favorite over the Miami Dolphins. Another game involving a bye, and this one is a bit interesting because the Washington Redskins uh, are off their bye week. San Francisco comes in after a yet another tough close second straight overtime loss in which they played well at Indianapolis. It is, I believe, their third straight road game, but that was known as far as a schedule factor when Washington was made a seven-point home favorite last week before any of last week's games were played. Yet, uh, in, in, in some sort of a reaction, and I, I can't really see what the reaction is to, Washington opened as a nine-point favorite, despite that San Francisco played a very good game on the road at Indianapolis. They've been bet up to nine and a half. So apparently there's some uh, effects being caused that would cause a change in that opening number, even though Washington had a buy. The Los Angeles Rams at the Jacksonville Jaguars, Of course, we saw the Rams lose at home to Seattle. We saw Jacksonville go in and put a big hurt on Pittsburgh. That game was Pick'em last week. The game, when it was reposted Sunday evening, had Jacksonville a a two-and-a-half-point home favorite. That's where it stands as we do this podcast. The next game on the schedule represents a significant move, and that's Tampa Bay off of a bye at Arizona. Last week, Arizona was expected to be, in fact, was a a two-and-a-half-point home favorite over the visiting Buccaneers, the visiting and rested Buccaneers. Arizona went into Philadelphia, lost 34-7, put up decent stats, but lost 34-7, were out of that game rather early. When the line came up Sunday evening, this game was a pick'em, and yet all the sentiment has shown for Tampa Bay. They are now a a two-and-a-half-point road favorite, so a five-point swing from two-and-a-half-point favorite to two-and-a-half 
half-point underdog for the homestanding Arizona Cardinals. And then the final game worth noting is the Sunday night game between the New York Giants and Denver Broncos. Denver coming off of their bye week. Last week, they were six-point home favorites against the Giants. Uh, the Giants, of course, lost more than the game in dropping to 0-5 when they lost at home to the Los Angeles Chargers, a third straight game in which the Giants' defense, supposedly their strength, failed to protect a fourth-quarter lead. When that game was reposted, the Denver Broncos were nine-point home favorites. It made sense because the Giants lost four receivers due to injuries in that game. And then the word came out on Monday morning that Odell Beckham indeed lost for the season. Uh, Brandon Marshall indeed lost for the season. Giants are going to be using a whole bunch of new receivers this week. That line, which went from six last week to nine Sunday night, has been all the, bet up all the way to Denver being a 12-point favorite. I'm not, I'm not going to be involved in that game. I'm not sure if that is enough. You talk about cluster injuries, you usually think about offensive or defensive lines. You don't think about losing basically into your entire core of receivers. Yeah, that is a huge cluster injury for the New York Giants, a football team, Andy, who, by the way, cannot run the ball. So, you know, obviously something's going to have to change in New York with the Giants here. Maybe perhaps that's what they're going to focus a little bit more on is trying to establish a running game to take the onus off of Eli Manning and a lack of wide receivers. But a great job on the overview of the major line changes that have occurred this week, quite a few of them that were noteworthy to say the least. Victor, I know you've been waiting patiently. You've got a question you want to run by Andy on the show this week as well. Yeah, certainly do. Uh, Andy, there are two NFL games currently with no lines, of course, based on questionable quarterbacking situations. Let's talk Chargers Raiders for a minute if we can. Obviously, uh, soon to be Las Vegas Raiders and frustrations are boiling over in Oakland. Definitely. The Raiders have lost three in a row. Donald Penn gets it in altercation in the parking lot post game. They've lost three in a row to fall to two and three. You know, Oakland had not lost back-to-back regular season games since the 2015 season. They're in the midst of a frustrating losing streak. They tried to get it done last week with E.J. Manuel, and uh, Baltimore went out there to Oakland and just put a smackdown on the Raiders. They desperately need Derek Carr back. Do you have any Derek Carr information? Is he coming back this week? And if he is back, what do we project the line to be in that home game against uh, L.A. Chargers? Yeah, I haven't seen any uh, rogue line show up anywhere. The thought is that Derek Carr is indeed uh, going to come back. When his injury was uh, first sustained, it was said that he would be out from two to six weeks. It looks as though it could be on the low end, at least according to Jack Del Rio's comments following the game. Now, we want to see if that's going to be rethought concerning what happened to Sam Bradford on Monday night, who came back from Minnesota, re-injured himself, and now maybe lost for another extended period of time. And so they may not want to rush Derek Carr back. But, you know, I mentioned a little earlier, we discussed about the fact that the Oakland Raiders were not as good as their 12-4 and record indicated last year. And maybe they're playing down to a little bit closer to their true talent level uh, this year. Uh, We uh, know that uh, they've had some issues with their wide receivers as as far as uh, not being able to be as fully productive, uh, whether it was Carr throwing the ball or not. So I haven't seen a line out there. The best guess that I have right now is that with Derek Carr, you're looking at probably about a four, four and a half point spread favoring the Raiders. Without Derek Carr, you're probably looking at uh, under a touchdown. Manuel was not all that bad last week for the Raiders. I don't think that he's the uh, uh, the cause of their problems. And the Chargers finally got a win, but now play a second straight road game. And I'm guessing the other other game you're you must be looking at as far as no line is the Monday night game right. between Indianapolis and Tennessee and that game of course revolves around the status of uh, Marcus Mariota who was originally thought that he was going to go uh, this past Sunday against Miami he did not go but that indicates that he may be closer to going uh, than not going I've seen some lines that seem to suggest that he would be playing or uh, that if he would be playing you'd see Tennessee very close to a double digit home favorite against the Indianapolis Colts uh, we don't expect Andrew Luck back for any time soon, although he has resumed football activities. But uh, Jacoby Brissett, as he gains a little bit more experience, uh, may make an impact for the Indianapolis Colts, where we won't see as big an adjustment for the absence of Luck as, uh, for example, if Scott Tolzien were still the backup. Andy Isco from TheLogicalApproach.com in Las Vegas with a great overview on what could happen as far as starting quarterbacks are concerned in the National Football League this week. And Andy, 
Before I let you go, you've been on this nice winning run, three straight winners in a row with your complimentary plays on the show. I know our listeners are joning to find out what you've got on tap this week as well. Well, Mark, we sort of talked about this game earlier. I sort of expressed a little bit of surprise as far as the uh, the line movement, the game involving San Francisco and uh, the Washington Redskins. Uh, the line currently, which had been seven last week for Washington during their bye week, is uh, nine and a half right now favoring the host Washington Redskins. And hopefully that move will continue upward uh, to at least 10 because I'll be looking to play the San Francisco 49ers. A uh, few teams, I think, in NFL history have had the kind of turmoil the 49ers have had over the last several seasons. Uh, Kyle Shanahan, their new head coach, their fourth head coach in four years following the departure of Jim Harbaugh, then Jim Tom Sulo, and last year Chip Kelly. So uh, a little bit of stability now with the way the players are responding. A lot of not just coaching turnover, but personnel turnover as well. Uh, they lost their opening game at home 23-3 to to Carolina as Shanahan had a chance to look at his players. But we've seen some very solid competitive play out of the 49ers uh, since that game. Uh, their last four losses have been by a total of 11 points. There was a two-point loss, three field goal losses, including the last two games in overtime uh, at Arizona and at uh, uh, Indianapolis this past week. We've seen the 49ers not quit. They've played hard. They came back to make it a two-point game against the Ram, uh, the Rams several Thursday nights ago. They came back to force overtime last week. Maybe a little bit of a surprise uh, that they didn't go for two to get that first win of the season when they scored that late touchdown. I certainly would have been happy with it, but I was still impressed with the effort that San Francisco showed not a very good scheduling spot for San Francisco to the extent that they're playing a third straight road game, but also not a very good scheduling spot for uh, the Washington Redskins. Uh, there are four tough games up next, including next week's game, an early revenge game at division rival Philadelphia. The following week, they host the Dallas Cowboys. So laying close to double digits may be asking a bit too much for a team that has shown an ability to play well uh, from behind in game situations. Uh, of course, the, 49, the uh, Redskins rather come in in this game following an impressive effort against the uh, uh, the the Oakland Raiders in that Sunday night game followed by that uh, tough that bad beat they had but a competitive effort in Kansas City with those two big games on deck San Francisco still searching for its first win playing hard for Kyle Shanahan I'm going to look for Washington to win this game but a lot closer than people think I'll probably suggest a touchdown or less in this game so the points worth taking with the San Francisco 49ers Andy Isco on the San Francisco 49ers in this first football game. The first game, I should say, this year that the Washington Redskins will be laying points. They've been underdogs in all four of their games thus far this season. He thinks it's too many points to be laying to a San Francisco football team on Sunday. Andy, a great job once again on the show, as always, this week. I'm going to wish you the very best of luck this week, and we'll look forward to visiting with you next week here on Mark Lawrence Against the Spread. Thanks, Mark. You and Victor have a great weekend. Look forward to our chat next week. Likewise, Andy, that was Andy Isco joining us from TheLogicalApproach.com in Las Vegas. Don't go away, guys. When we come back, Victor and I are going to put the final wraps on this week's show. We're going to share with you our awesome angle of the week and our complimentary plays when we're back with the final segment here on Mark Lawrence Against the Spread. Have your morning coffee with Mark Lawrence each day when you join his all-new Coffee Club. Delivered in your email box the very first thing every morning, Mark shares with you his first take on the daily sports scene, ranging from top situational plays to handicapping tips and commentary from fellow Coffee Club members. It's a quick must-read for the serious sports fan. Join the Coffee Club today at playbook.com and have your morning coffee with Mark each and every day. You'll be glad you did. Attention sports fans, it's time to get in on all the football action at mybookie.ag. This industry-leading website is renowned for having the best odds and more betting options than any other sports book online. This is why Mark Lawrence only endorses mybookie.ag. Call toll-free at 1-844-900-2387 or go online to mybookie.ag to open an account and start winning today. Get the odds you want and the fast payouts you need guaranteed that's mybookie.a as an apple and g as in games tell them mark lawrence sent you only the biggest only the best only at mybookie.ag sign up today and now the moment you've been waiting for from the hot south florida sun it's mark lawrence with his awesome angle of the week 
All right, guys, let's get to it. Our awesome angle of the week in college football this week. We call it tumbling dice. And what we're looking to do is to play on any sub-400 college football home team that's off three consecutive straight-up and point-spread losses in a row if they won 10 or more games last season and are taking on an opponent off a win. These 10-win teams last season that are stumbling this year, playing less than 400 ball off three consecutive Suet's losses are an ideal 14-3 and three against the spread in this situation, dating all the way back to 1980. This 82% winning angle this week is a play on Tulsa. That's the Tulsa Golden Hurricane for our tumbling dice. Awesome angle. Play of the week on Saturday's football card. And with that, I'm going to hand it off to Victor King from King Creole Sports to find out Victor's thoughts on this weekend's football card and his complimentary play, if you would, Victor. You got it, Mark. Last week, our four-star over of the week in the NFL was the Chargers-Giants over the total. We did win that one thanks to a L.A. touchdown with about three minutes to go left in the game, and that basically improved our record to 5-1 and one already this season in the NFL in four or five-star best bets. Got another one going this Sunday, four-star best bet over of the week. And it'll be up on the playbook.com website on Friday. You can definitely check that out. For our free play, Mark, we're going over the total in the Browns-Texans game. And who would have thought at the beginning of the season that we would consider going over in a Cleveland or a Houston game? (laughs) Last year, of course, these teams were ranked an ugly number 28. uh, Houston at 17.9 points per game. And Cleveland, number 31, only 16.5 points per game in scoring offense. And here we are in week six, and we're pulling the trigger. We released this as a totals tip sheet play yesterday at the opening line of 44, and I got my wager in at that time. Lo and behold, 24 hours later, as we record a podcast here on Wednesday, it's gone up to 46.5. There's even a couple of 47s out there. It's gone up almost a, a full three points, and I can attribute that to one reason. This morning, it was announced that the Browns are going with Kevin Hogan at quarterback instead of rookie Deshaun Kaiser, who really, really struggled last week with a 15.5 QB rating, while Hogan came in the second half, led the Browns to both of their scoring touchdowns, went 16 out of 19 for 194, a QBR rating of 85.3. That's what I wanted to hear in regards to this game. That's why the line has gone up two and a half to three points. Yes, it sucks a little bit of value out of the play, particularly if you played it early in the week like I did. However, still worthy of a over between these two particular teams. The Browns, of course, are one of three winless teams thus far this season, and we wrote about it in the totals tip sheet. This is a good week to go over the total when these teams are priced as big underdogs in the last five years. Game six or greater, winless road dogs of greater than a touchdown have gone a perfect 6-0 to the over. That applies to the Browns this particular week. And the host Texans, this is a team that has multiple good over situations qualified in this particular game. Let's not forget the fact that uh, since Watson became the starter, Houston's put up 33, 57, and 34 points. They just lost at home. They cannot afford another home loss. They're playing the Browns this week. It's their third home game in a row, actually. This has been a strong number now going on 15 years. 67, 38, and 3 over under. Non-division teams playing in their third straight home game. That's the case for Houston. These teams have also gone 17-4 and over-under when the over-under line is less than 47 points. It depends what your line in the particular game is. It's also a big line swing for the Texans as well. These are always very interesting games to look at in the NFL when the line movement from a week-to-week period is significant. And we know that last Sunday night they were home underdogs to the Chiefs. And this week they're laying over 10 points. That's a big, big line move. NFL home favorites of eight or greater who are home dogs in their last game, like Houston, have gone a perfect 6-0 to the over since the 2010 season. 
Finally, Mark, our third significant database query has to do with the fact that Houston has a bye coming up next week. And these teams really come out firing on offense, knowing that they've got that bye week upcoming. In fact, since 2007, there's been 31 overs, only 11 unders for NFL favorites of greater than five points before their bye week when the OU line is less than 49 points. So, yes, we're going over Browns and Texans. Don't forget our four-star over over the week in the NFL, Mark. Uh, we've got the Playbook newsletter this week. Total's tip sheet is up there. Midweek alert will be available on Wednesday evening. All three available at playbook.com and also at the Playbook Superstore, which is uh, www.playbooksuperstore.com. We've got you covered with all the publications for sure this week when it comes to handicapping football. The total tip sheet this week, by the way, guys, features an overwhelming 16-1 road situation in a top totals play this week. You'll want to read about that inside the totals tip sheet and all the other publications available now online at playbook.com. Before I get to my complimentary play on the show this week, I want to remind you that our friends at mybookie.ag are once again offering a 100% sign-up bonus to all listeners of the show. To take advantage, simply log on at mybookie.ag and use the promo code PLAYBOOK or give them a call toll-free at 1-844-866-BETS. That's 1-844-866-2387 to get your 100% sign-up bonus at mybookie.ag. You'll be glad you did. And also, once again this week, I'll be releasing another $99 football weekend of winners from our late phone football service. It'll feature our NFL Game of the Month going this Sunday. As Victor mentioned earlier on in the show, we're on a nice 5-0 and winning run on our NFL football plays the last two weeks. You can get every release I make in college and pro football, including the NFL Game of the Month this Sunday with a $99 football weekend of winners when you log on at playbook.com or call me toll-free to take advantage at 1-800-321-7777. My complimentary play on the football show this week, we're going to go inside the Southeast Conference and look at the Texas A&M Aggies when they take on the Florida Gators in the Swamp this week. We're going to grab the points with the Aggies, an underdog with a better record. Hard to imagine that A&M has a better record in this contest, but they do. They're 4-2 and two coming into the game after that stunning, staggering loss to begin the season here. There are two losses, by the way, in by a grand total of only nine points thus far this football season here. Kevin Sumlin has his team playing up to the level everybody expected before the season began. The Gators lost at home last week to LSU, and while you think it might be dangerous fading the Gators back in the swamp off a loss in the swamp, don't be, because the last five times they've been in this role at home off a home loss, and not laying double digits, they were just 1-4 and four straight up and 0-5 and to the spread. The Gators themselves are in a terrible before and after situation as well. Just 3-5 and five straight up, 2-6 and six to the spread after playing LSU. And the same identical numbers, 3-5 and five straight up and 2-6 and six to the spread before taking on Georgia. I'll take what I feel is the better team in this football game as the dog will play Texas A&M plus the points and also on the money line for my complimentary play on the show this week. And that's going to put the final wraps in this edition of Mark Lawrence Against the Spread. I want to thank our co-host Victor King from King Creole Sports for another great job on the show this week. Our good friend Andy Isco from TheLogicalApproach.com in Las Vegas. And for our good friend Jack Reynolds, who we know is listening from above. Until next week, once again, this is Mark Lawrence reminding you to always to remember to bet with your head, not over it, and good luck as always.